Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Biden is blaming inflation on, of course, you guessed it, uh, corporate greed. Yes, greedy people who just want to make money, and they just won't lower their prices for you. That's the problem. Welcome back to the show. Glad you are here today. 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Don't forget, I'll be filling in for Mark Levin tonight, 6 p.m., to 9 p.m. and you can listen in a lot of different places but just not here starting at 6 30 i'll explain as the show goes on but for now let me turn our attention to the world of big pharma shall we congress must hold the centers for disease control accountable for its cozy ties to pharma that's the latest piece by paul thacker paul is the investigative journalist and former fellow at the mng safra center for ethics at harvard university paul thanks for making time for me today hey thanks for having me on the Disinformation Chronicles, you do a great job over there as uh, part of Substack. Okay. So, yeah, disinformationchronicle.substack.com, and I subscribe to it, and I, I encourage people to do that. Um, so a congressional leaders have announced that they're going to have a, an oversight hearing with the CDC director, right? Yeah, so um, Energy and Commerce is the most powerful committee in the House. It's the oldest and most powerful committee in the House. It has the broadest jurisdiction. Um, and they have a subcommittee that's devoted specifically just to running investigations. And um, the CDC director is appearing tomorrow for to take questions. What do you think they're going to ask her? What do you suggest that they ask her? Well, there's been, you know, a huge, I'm sure as anyone's aware, you know, there's, there was a huge amount of problems with um, the CDC during the pandemic. I mean, it's just there, was, there were so many why the CDC did not lead on responding to the pandemic, some of their crazy decisions that they made about vaccines, some decisions that like flip flopped all around about masks um, that no one really understands. Um, you know, so there's a huge amount of problems. and They're trying to reform the CDC. Um, oddly enough, the the former CDC director, um, Rochelle Walensky, in her last hearing before Congress, the staffers had to correct the record because she miss she mistakenly spoke about a study that came out that um, that found that masks don't really work. And she tried to say that study had been retracted when it hadn't. 
So we've had huge problems with the CDC. They don't respond to questions. And one of the biggest issues I think that I think most people should be aware of is they have a vaccine center at the CDC that makes recommendations about vaccines, puts up information, educational material about vaccines. They run a committee that makes the vaccine recommendations. So they bring in these outside experts that look at the data on uh, submitted by the companies about the vaccines and they make recommendations like they made recommendations, for instance, for the, the COVID boosters. That vaccine center is staffed by employees at Weber Shandwick, which is the largest PR firm on the planet. Now, when I first found this out, because I just tripped over, you know, a, 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 um, a story about this, that they that Weber Shandwick had won, won a um, contract to staff this center. And then I found out on LinkedIn that there are some Weber Shandwick employees that say they're embedded at the vaccine center at CDC. The first thing that went to mind is like, huh, what, who else, like, who are the other clients for Weber Shandwick? And I can tell you, like, this has happened randomly. I'm laying in bed. I run across this story like 11 o'clock at night. At 4 o'clock in the morning, I stopped <laughs> after saving all the pages and taking screenshots. The two other clients for Weber Shandwick are Pfizer and Moderna, the two main producers of the COVID vaccines. So we have staffers at Weber Shandwick promoting, right, the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine simultaneously providing purported, you know, scientific expertise about the vaccines for the federal government. Amazing. I mean, the idea that the CDC and the FDA are so intertwined with big pharma, I think, is something that people need to really understand. People wind up leaving the CDC and the FDA. It's a revolving door and getting jobs in big pharma, which obviously means that the, the regulators they're thinking in their mind, hey, I want to I want to cash out one day. I don't want to make enemies out of these people. So you, know, you right. take that into account. And then to find out that they're intertwined with this massive public relations agency, uh, Weber Shanwick, and they're the ones doing the, the publicity for Moderna's COVID vaccine. And then they're also working with the CDC. I mean, my God, talk about a conflict of interest, Paul Facker. I, I'll tell you something. I couldn't believe it when I first I'd never run across something like this before in my life. I didn't understand it. Um, after I first reported this um, from the Disinformation Chronicle, about two days later, the Daily Mail then blew the story up. And then a few days after that, um, Senator Rand Paul sent a demand letter um, to the CDC asking them to explain like how this whole thing happened. The CDC, of course, failed to respond. Um, Senator Rand Paul does not have subpoena authority um, in the Senate. Um, but the Energy and Commerce Committee does, and they have the CDC director in the hot seat tomorrow and should be asking her these questions. I don't know if they will or not, though. No, probably not. Uh, You discovered uh, a lot of things over the years regarding this. And I mean, like, take, for example, the guy who was the head of the FDA, uh, whose name escapes me right now, but he was there before COVID, I think. And now he's on the board of Pfizer, isn't he? So that's Scott Gottlieb. Right, um, yes. So Gottlieb I've covered for years. Um, Gottlieb, going back as far as I can remember, <laughs> like when I first heard the name Scott Gottlieb, it was because a friend of mine at the Washington Post um, asked me, like, he knew that I knew how to run investigations. And I was working in the Sun at the time. He's like, hey, can you look into this guy, Scott Gottlieb? Um, he's now like a, like kind of like running the, the FDA because the FDA director at the time had had resigned and they hadn't found a new director. Scott Gottlieb was the deputy director. He was essentially running the FDA. 
Um, he has had so many stories written about, about him about conflicts of interest. Um, you know, he's on the board of Pfizer now. Um, it came out from a House investigation, I believe it was this last summer or maybe the summer prior, that, you know, he had been working very closely with the opioid industry. Um, uh, pro- uh, with McKinsey, had been directly advising the FDA on opioids while simultaneously um, working with the opioid industry, which was a huge investigation that the New York Times um, exposed. And, of course, the opioid industry and, and the various shows that have been made about, like Dope Sick, for example, really does show how these guys, even lower-level management people, uh, wind up getting jobs for Big Pharma. They, it, it's so incestuous, Paul Thacker. Paul Thacker's with me, and we're discussing this. Uh, the CDC director is going to be grilled tomorrow, hopefully. And when you reach out to them, you ask questions. You're an investigative journalist. You've got your site of the Disinformation Chronicle. When you reach out right. to the CDC, do they ever get back to you? <laughs> so that was funny. When I first wrote the first story, right, about this, exposing this, you know, these ties between how Weber, Shandwick employees were embedded at the CDC while also working with Pfizer and Moderna, I sent um, multiple emails to the CDC and multiple emails. I found out the um, email for, this, the, for the CDC director. I emailed her. I emailed her um, scheduler. They did not respond. When I then wrote a second story about um, the fact that um, Weber Shandick was also working for Carnival Cruise. If you remember, remember when the Carnival, when the cruise line was shut down? Oh, yeah. Um, so, so Weber Shandwick worked with the CDC to get the cruises um, um, back in the ocean. And their client at the time was Carnival Cruise. So I contacted the CDC about that, that story, right? By this time, they've gotten a letter from Senator Rand Paul. It's been the Daily Mail. What they told me was they said they weren't going to re- answer my questions that I could file a Freedom of Information Act request. <laughs> 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 no, I'm serious. Like, that's what they told me in the email. You're, 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 you're more than welcome to file a FOIA, Paul. You know how they work. <laughs> oh, man, that, that's absolutely amazing. What, what is happening right now, too, with, uh, I mean, you had a story, a story by Paul Offit back in 2022. The FDA approved the bivalent COVID shot. The CDC oversold it. The FDA approved it without clinical trials, and there's reason to doubt it beats the original vaccine. What what did what role did Weber Shanwick play in in pushing this bivalent COVID nineteen vaccine booster, which again did not have any clinical trials? Well, so that I don't know directly what their involvement was. Like you know, direct. I mean, I think you have to understand too. It's like. I just uncovered the fact that, you know, Weber Shannick was doing stuff. The, the pharma, uh, pharma is, is arguably, I would say, is the most powerful industry, like, on the planet. Um, you know, I, I think I call America, like, pharma nation. Um, and just to give you an example, from what I am aware of, I think today the United States is the only country that today still um, suggests that six-month-olds get the COVID vaccine. That, that's not policy in Spain where I live. That's not policy in any country in Europe. Okay. So there's this huge promotion for these COVID vaccines above and beyond the data. And when they first came out in, in, in the CDC, right, the CDC group at Weber Shandwick is staffing when they suggested that people get the COVID, uh, the COVID booster vaccine, the bivalent, bivalent vaccine, Paul Offit, who is like, just well-known as one of the biggest cheerleaders for the vaccine industry that's out there. He's cheerleaded every vaccine that's ever come out. He actually said that it shouldn't um, be required. 
So like they 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 even like got Paul off it like um, running against them. So I mean it's just the 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 government the CDC right now has has policies on vaccines that are just different from the rest of the Western world, from what I can tell. What recourse is available for people who have had negative side effects from the vaccine and and some very, very serious ones? Is there any recourse available to them whatsoever? It's very interesting. Um, You know, there was just a story in The Telegraph um, that the uh, British government has paid out, I think, something like 140 something people um, for side effects from the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, and there is a, there is a, um, there is a program, I think, I believe it's housed in the Department of Justice for people who are vaccine injured. Um, I don't know where that program is at right now, but you have to understand that, you know, for a long time during the pandemic, if you said that you had a, you had a, had a, a vaccine side effect, right, from the COVID vaccine, that was fact-checked wrong. That was disinformation and a conspiracy theory, and it was shot down. You couldn't post that on Twitter. You couldn't post it on Facebook. So we, we, we lived for, I don't even know how long, maybe one or two years, you know, in a situation in which if you actually even said that you had a vaccine side effect from these COVID vaccines, you were told that that was factually inaccurate. So we weren't even collecting the data. Because if you said that that, that, that that happened to you, like physicians would tell you that you were making it up. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. And where are the regulators then? Where are the people whose job it is to police this industry? You mentioned, Paul, Paul, that the pharmaceutical industry is the most powerful industry on earth. And there's a lot of people that work for them. There's a lot of money behind this. And where were the regulators? It's kind of like, it reminds me of gain-of-function research, too. I mean, the fact that all this was going on, the fact that pharma is getting it on both ends, you know, they create the disease, they create the virus, and they create the treatment for that virus. Uh, and and, and it's, all, it's all just seems like the wild freaking West. And yet, I know there are people who are in Washington who are lawyers and lobbyists who go home to their giant mansions in Chevy Chase, Maryland and, and suburban Virginia. And they're so connected with this that it's almost as if this industry is entirely untouchable, whether it's the Sacklers and, uh, and the opioid epidemic or it's, it's it's Pfizer and Moderna with with COVID. I mean, it's it's the same thing. It seems like they just cannot be penetrated. They they have so much money and so much influence, um, and especially I think specifically in the United States where there's just so much money sloshing around. Um, you know, the one thing that has come out that you know I helped to push through when I was in the Senate was you know we passed a bill that required these companies to disclose when they give monies to doctors, right? And so you can now look your physician up to see who you, who might what pharmaceutical company might be paying your physician. You can look, find this on the Open Payments website. So we're getting some transparency in this area, but, you know, very, very little. You know, there are physicians who've lost, they've lost jobs for speaking up about these vaccines. You know, I mean, we're now in a situation where they're trying to bring all these soldiers back who didn't want to get the COVID vaccine, you know, and they're now being allowed back into the army. I saw, I saw a poster went around like that saying, you know, you don't need the COVID vaccine, you know, enlist in the military. And the response someone says, well, we must be going to war because they need soldiers immediately, obviously. <laughs> right, right, exactly. We, 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 need, we need them. Uh, well, keep up the great work. I mean, you were, you, were, you were pointing this out to us. Before I let you go, though, is the, you, you bring up the CDC, and we, we've talked about the CDC and the FDA kind of back and forth today, back and forth. They have two very distinct roles to play. And one is the, the, supposed to regulate when it comes to this stuff. 
What is the difference between these two government agencies and how is it that they are so intertwined today? Don't they have separate and distinct missions? Well, the CDC is supposed to be the lead on, you know, pandemics, which didn't really happen. And so on the vaccines, for instance, the FDA is directly involved in the approval of the vaccines or what happened with these vaccines was an emergency use authorization. So they're the lead agency that, like, you know, looks at to see whether a product can be approved or not. Right. What the CDC does to the vaccine centers, they then they look at apparently the same data and then they make make, you know, further recommendations. So, for instance, once the product's on the market, they might they might come out with a statement that says, well, you should get a second booster or a third booster. So they, they have somewhat different yet, you know, slightly over uh, you know, overlapping roles um, yeah. is how it works. Yeah, it sounds like it, but they're certainly overlapping uh, jobs between the bureaucrats in both of those government agencies and Big Pharma, no question about it. Paul Thacker, thanks, my friend. Check out the Disinformation Chronicle. We'll have you on the show again very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Well, Joe Biden said something stupid. I know that's shocking to you. He just said that a few moments ago. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Let's, though, uh, talk about what Joe Biden says about inflation, which I know, of course, is crippling you and it's crippling me and it's every, everybody's affected by inflation. But it turns out it's not Joe Biden's fault. You see, it's not the fault of any Democrats or their policy or massive runaway government spending. As right now in Washington, they're talking about, yes, they're going to have a all-in foreign aid bill for Ukraine, Israel, and for humanitarian aid for Gaza. All in there, all in one bill. Exactly what we said we don't want, exactly what we don't need. They're going to put it all in. And we don't have the money. It doesn't matter if we don't have the money. We just keep, we just keep spending it. It's all we do. It's what we do. It's all we do. It's like a shark swimming around. It eats and it eats. And it's all it does. It's all it does, a killing machine. We are a spending machine. This president's a spending machine. But they want you to know, as they gear up for the election, it's not Joe Biden's fault. It's nothing Joe Biden did, you understand. It is entirely 100% because of the greed of corporations who just won't lower their prices for you. Take a listen. Let me be clear. To any corporation that's not brought their prices back down, even as inflation has come down, even as supply chains have been rebuilt, it's time to stop the price gouging and give the American consumer a break. Look, that's why I'm tackling junk fees. 
these hidden charges that companies sneak into your bill to make you pay more money just because they can. You see, these companies just have not brought down their prices. So even though you go online right now and everything seems to be on sale, it's still too high because the companies have not lowered their prices. So they're just sitting back, I'm just getting greedier and greedier and greedier. That's the narrative. It's, it's on them. They should cut their prices. It, 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 this is what Gavin Newsom did, too, if you remember. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, with that wonderful quaffed head of hair with lots and lots of petroleum in it to keep it so in place. Huge carbon footprint on that guy's head, by the way. Huge. He came out and did the same thing, telling companies they had to lower their prices or else the state of California was going to make them lower their prices. This is the mind of the left, that, that the, the corporations ex- exist to try to screw you out of things and that there's the only reason you're paying more has nothing to do with them. And it's entirely greed. It's it's again, it's the trick. It's the old, the magician doesn't see the magic. The magician sees the trick. If I can get you to look over here as you walk into, I don't know, Best Buy or whatever, and you look at the prices of washing machines and you go, I can't believe how expensive this is. Well, it's because uh, Samsung just won't lower the price. GE won't lower the price and, and neither will Best Buy. And so that's the reason. It's nothing to do with the fact that All those parts for those machines cost more money nowadays. It's nothing to do with higher fuel costs. It's nothing to do with anything. It's all entirely greed. And if they can get you to believe that, well, then maybe you'll give the guy another four years because it's not his fault. See, you blame you. It's somebody else's fault. And then Bidenomics is not the problem. See, Bidenomics is a very dirty word right now. Bidenomics is a dirty word. Nobody wants to mention that word Bidenomics. I don't know if we still have that clip from yesterday, Matt DeSantis. I didn't get to it, but there was a clip where they were, I believe it was a Meet the Press panel, if I'm not mistaken, on Sunday. And they were saying on the show with the new host, Kristen Welker, that the bottom line is Bidenomics, not good. Take a listen. Yeah, Bidenomics has really been kind of a negative, become a negative word, especially among Democrats, because it's not working. I was texting with some members of Democratic members of Congress last night, just trying to get a read over the holiday weekend, what they're hearing at home and what people are saying. And these members said that it is just not looking good Mm. for President Biden politically out there, that he would probably lose some swing states if if the election were held today. So they have a lot of work to do to, once again, like I said, try to get uh, get credit for the successes that he's had over the past two years, which he keeps on getting blamed for everything bad that's happening. I mean, this. You see, Bidenomics, he, he gets blamed for what's happening. So, so now shift the blame, shift the blame away from Joe Biden and shift the way the blame over to the greedy corporations. That's how you play the game. That's how you do it. Uh, that was the Washington Post, Lee Ann Caldwell, by the way, if you're wondering about that in that clip. Biden just said something incredible that's now g- trending on Twitter. And I, I, I mean, m- maybe this is the mercy we all deserve. This is the president of the United States of America. Take a listen. This is Nick. Hey, Nick. This is uh, Nick. Oh, Williams. Buddy. Now, look, my, my Marine carries that. It has a code to blow up the world. That doesn't, this is not... Nuclear weapons, oh, is it? No. All right, okay. He's against the Yeah, code to blow up the world. It's just literally a code. You put it in, and you know what it is? I know the code. One, two, three, four, five. It's the same code on my luggage. One, two, three, four, five, and you blow up the world. That's what you do. What a way to start a conversation with someone uh-huh. you meet for the first time. Yeah. Is that the football, Mr. President? Yeah, that's the nuclear codes in there. No, 
It's the code to blow up the world. And I carry it with me wherever I go. And sometimes when I get cranky, I flirt with it a little bit. One, two, three, four. Ah, 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 ah. Not now. Maybe later. <laughs> you know, the problem, too, is that the code to change the end of the world, it keeps changing. And um, uh, you have to reset the password a lot. That's a problem, too. Got to use two-factor authentication now. It's a real pain. So the Marine has to wait till he gets a text on his phone and he has to put in that, very, you know, the passcode and before he can blow up the world. It's a whole to-do, a whole big to-do. I have to do that every time I log into my email here, actually. Oh, yeah. You got to go through the uh, Odyssey Protect protocols. That's why I don't even bother checking my corporate email. <laughs> I don't, so one more step. Wonder, one more step. I always wondered why I got emails from, uh, from a non-Odyssey account from you. Now I know. <laughs> I mean, every day it asks for the authentication. It's still me. Well, yeah, but they don't know that it's still you. It could be somebody trying to get in. Here's the other thing, too. If you try to get a new phone, good luck, by the way. I, this happened to me when I got my new iPhone. What happened is that I got the new iPhone, and then that verification thing is tied to this iPhone. So I had to go through the Odyssey corporate HR. Mm-hmm. I, I had to do that earlier Did this you, year, too. It, yeah. It's like a team in Nova Scotia, I believe, and... <laughs> Possibly Anchorage, Alaska. They're underground and they control access to all the IT stuff. Yeah. And nothing, and obviously nothing works. So, you know, they're really up on it. How long did it take you to get the new thing to be able to access your corporate account? Um, it took me about like a shift because I didn't, I didn't realize when I got here that I couldn't, I wasn't going to be able to sign into anything. Nothing. And I think I was here by myself that day too. So like I had, (laughs) I had nothing. I was going off nothing. So I was I was panicked. I was like texting Frank, like, what do, what do I do? I have no idea what to do. But it right. took me, yeah, before the shift was over, I was able to get back into everything. But, you know, the problem is you got to make sure things don't get hacked. You know that, right? Because hacking is a major problem. Yeah. You guys dismiss this like it's no big deal. But even the United States of America gets hacked every now and then. And nuclear research facilities get hacked, too. In this case, gay furry hackers, which was Excuse my me? Sex Pistols cover band name in college. We are gay furry hackers. We crushed it at the VU. Crushed it. The Kinks. We were the gay furry hackers. We were the cover band for the Kinks. Our version of Victoria was amazing. Uh, They breached a U.S. nuclear facility. uh, Sieged Security, which describes itself as a group of gay furry hackers. Those are like you hang out with those people, right, Henry? Those are your people. I don't know. That seems more of like a Harvard-type crowd. <laughs> You're right. Actually, you know what? You're 100% right. Henry for the win. <laughs> Gay furry hackers are definitely who you meet at Harvard's orientation. <laughs> Do they take you around and show you the campus, Matt DeSantis? The, the gay furry hackers? The gay furry hackers. Yeah, they traditionally give you it's the campus, a, campus tour. Definitely a campus-affiliated club or something. <laughs> oh, for sure. They have a club for everything. Now. Oh, uh, no, no question about it. Yeah. The the gay furry hackers pro Hamas club is gaining traction on Harvard. I would love to deny that it exists, but like I said, there's a there's a club for virtually everything on yeah. that campus. It's quite possible that it's there. And I'm sure Hamas would love the support of gay furry hackers. I'm sure that they'd welcome them with open arms, don't you think? <laughs> They're very open minded. They're very open minded and tolerant with all all kinds of different alphabets. Well, they recently infiltrated a leading U.S. nuclear research facility and obtained sensitive personal data. The group claimed responsibility for the attack in statements on public forums. Meow 
meow, 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 the group wrote. (laughs) The hackers added that we've successfully gained access to Idaho National Laboratory and that we've accessed hundreds of thousands of user, employee, and citizen data, including full names, dates of birth, addresses, and social security numbers. Idaho National Laboratory spokesperson Lori McNamara confirmed the breach, stating that it is being investigated and federal law enforcement is involved. Earlier this morning, the Idaho National Laboratory determined that it was the target of a cybersecurity data breach affecting the servers supporting its Oracle HCM system. They've been in touch with federal law enforcement, yada, yada, yada. They're one of 17 national labs in the United States Department of Energy Complex and employs more than 6,100 people who focus on nuclear research, renewable energy systems, and security solutions. We're willing to make a deal with INL if they research creating IRL in real life cat girls. Let me say that again. They're willing to make a deal with the INL, which is this nuclear, if they're willing to create IRLs in real life cat girls. A cat girl generally refers to a young-breasted female animated character with feline traits like cat ears or a tail. Many people ask us why we are cats. Intricacies such as why do not concern us, the group wrote on their social media site. The hacking by the group, uh, the gay furry hackers, uh, they've hacked NATO twice this year and released sensitive documents. NATO confirmed it is facing persistent cyber threats, and has implemented implemented additional cyber security measures. Got it? Got it? I don't understand any of it. I, please, I, you, it's, it's so hard to make sense of anything with this story, other than the fact that I crushed it in my cover band. We are gay furry hackers. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see what they wrote on social media. I'm sure I want to, I want to follow them on X here. Sig, Sigsec, just a bunch of cats with internet official uh, news and updates accounts. We are cats, intricacies such as why do not concern us. And there you go. So they have 1,300 followers. That's it. They only have 1,300. Why? Yeah. Telegram took down their channel. I was just trying to find them on, the, on, the, on that app, but they don't have their channel anymore. Their demands seemed very reasonable, though. Yeah. They'll remove the post if you just create a human-animal hybrid. I, I mean, what? how can you argue with that? That's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> Life is about compromise. <laughs> so I, I, I try to teach my kids that all the time. I'm sure they'll have it developed by the end of the week in this whole thing. Will... All they want are real-life cat people. Yeah. Now, now, does that mean you're coming back with Cat People by David Bowie? I mean, should I? I don't know. It's up to you. It sounds like you want it. I gave you another song option, too. It's up to you. I don't tell you what to do. Why? why it's my show. Why would I tell you what to do? Why would I tell you what music to play? That's true. You really don't tell them what to play. You do yell at I do yell if I don't like a song, though. But that's fair. You never give it a chance. You're going to come back with... So you have two songs now I mentioned. Yeah. There you go. But we're running out of time. Yeah, we have a guest coming up. I know, so I'm going to break. And then we'll come back with our guest. And you're going to want to hear this guest, too. If you missed the guest, Paul Thacker, talking about the incestuous nature of the CDC and the FDA and Big Pharma, that will be podcast for you, of course. Jason Sneed is going to join me next about election integrity. And at 6 p.m. tonight, I'll be filling in for the Mark Levin Show. The great one's off, so I'll be in for him tonight. You can listen all the way up to 6.30, which point then we'll have basketball on this radio station, but... I'll still be heard around the country. 
December 15th, mark your calendar, the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. We're going to be there for that. So make sure you join us. It's going to be a great show. Live shows at my happy place, the Grand Hotel of Cape May. And there might be some Christmas surprises in the mix, I'm told. The uh, corporate show slash Darth Soccer slash program director slash co-host of Kale Company slash El Jefe has said perhaps there might be some Christmas surprises, some Christmas cheer. And I'm hoping for cat people in Christmas <laughs> outfits is what I'm hoping for. Uh, furry cat people dressed up as elves, although we decided that elves is now pejorative and you can't say that word, so... Putting out fires with gasoline, Henry. That's what I'm doing. Let's give you another song. Putting out fires with gasoline. We are gay furry hackers. And we are putting out fires with gasoline. Come on, man. I got it up already. <clears throat> wow. All right. Well, well, well all right. That, was, all right. Um, that was poor for you. You know what? It's a good time. I think I'll, I think I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take a break. I'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll do. We'll have our guest, and then we'll all pretend like we just didn't hear what <laughs> okay. just went over the yeah. airwaves just now. And No, I'm going to try and forget so that, too. I'm going to see if I knew how to work the dump button. I, <laughs> I would dump my own show, not because of anything I said, but because of what my producer said. But did I don't you have to take that dump button test? Yeah, we all did. You know, listen, I did. I took the. It's just like when I do my stupid uh, inner conscious bias nonsense things. I, I don't pay attention. The cybersecurity stuff, I don't pay attention to that either. I will go, I will play the video, and then I'll answer the stupid question at the end, and I'll get it wrong, and they'll tell me what the right answer is, and then I'm done. I'll stop saying it. HR is going to hear They're going to make you do it again. You think they listen to this radio station, Matt DeSantis? Fair point. There are two people that don't listen to this radio station, HR and my wife. <laughs> okay? Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We uh, we'll talk about election integrity straight ahead. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio twelve ten WPHT and the Odyssey app. Indeed, we are no doubt about it. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten is the number you want to weigh in. I'm with you till six o'clock tonight on this show. Then the Mark Levin show starting at six, all the way up until nine p.m. But for right now, let's talk about election integrity, shall we? Because it's a big deal. And here to talk about it with me, Jason Sneed is the executive director of the Honest Elections Project and author of the book, The Case Against Ranked Choice Voting. Jason, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. First of all, what is ranked choice voting? Explain that for us. Well, ranked choice voting is an entirely different way of conducting an election than what most Americans are familiar with. And it's an idea that right now is getting pushed from the left into state after state across the country. The idea is this. Instead of voting for a single person in a race, you have many people running and you rank all of the candidates in every race from uh, from first until last. And then you submit the ballots and you run a tabulation system where if no one gets over 50 percent of the first place vote, then you eliminate the candidate that got the fewest votes, redistribute ballots that were cast for that person based on each voter's second or third or fourth place pick. And then you continue to do this process of elimination and recomputation until you find a winner in a ranked choice election. As I said, it is very different than the sort of elections that most Americans are familiar with. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think people realize that's, that's happening. Where, where is it happening? 
Well, right now it's used in Alaska and it's used in Maine as well as in just about 60 other cities or counties around the country. And yet, even though this is uh, an idea, which, as I said, is only used in a few dozen places and in two states, we're actually watching ballot measures getting pushed in Idaho, Arizona, Nevada, Missouri, uh, Ohio, and all over the country trying to push ranked choice voting into elections across the country. So believe it or not, 10 states could have a ballot measure on the November 2024 ballot to try to bring this complicated, confusing system to their elections. I wanted to ask you about Pennsylvania. There, I'm sure you're following this over at the Honest Elections Project, how the, the question about mail-in ballots and whether or not people sign them, how that issue, which clearly the legislature has said in Pennsylvania, you must sign and date your ballot in order for it to be counted. The courts, of course, say we don't care and they just do whatever they want. That issue is still unresolved as we head into the 2024 presidential election. And it's a real problem because the law is very clear, but you still have justices on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court who don't care what the law says. And that's why it was a fiasco in Pennsylvania in 2020 when you had mail-in ballots coming in three days after the election, not even postmarked, not signed, and they counted them anyway. And, and there's been local elections that have been, where the outcome has literally changed overnight as unsigned or undated ballots have come in at the last minute. Yeah, that, this is a huge problem. Pennsylvania is ground zero. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court is one of the most partisan Supreme Courts in the entire country, and it has shown a remarkable willingness to simply rewrite laws that the people's elected legislature has passed. And you're absolutely right that the Pennsylvania uh, legislature has very explicitly stated what the rules around uh, mail-in voting should be. And, Jack, you have a, uh, a, a very coordinated and well-funded litigation operation, which is willing to go to the Pennsylvania court, as well as courts in other key swing states, and basically abuse the judicial process to rewrite the law, or even enter into collusive settlements and consent agreements with friendly state election officials. So no matter what the law actually says, if you actually go and read it, you could go into election day with a completely different understanding of how elections are supposed to work because of this coordinated coordinated lawfare campaign to abuse judicial power, to rewrite those laws and to basically put a thumb on the scale for one party over the other. Now, somebody sent me a text today, uh, my friend Linda Kearns, who's an election lawyer, and she said that the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, told listener, told people to use uh, a, a pencil on a mail-in ballot, <laughs> a pencil, which I think is problematic. Obviously, you should use a pen, but they did just roll out new ballots today in Pennsylvania that they say are going to make it easier for people. Your whole thing behind the, the election integrity project, obviously, is to make elections. I, I think I think your, your, your moniker, it should be easy to vote and hard to cheat, I think makes a lot of sense. But one of the things we're also very familiar here with is Zuckbucks. And you have a whole a study about this, Zuckbucks 2.0. Uh, what are Zuckbucks and, and where does all that stand heading into 2024? So Zuckbucks was a phenomenon that, frankly, we had never seen before the 2020 election, where you had almost half a billion dollars of Mark Zuckerberg's personal fortune routed directly into election administration in the form of grants. And this was done, we were told 
to help make sure that election offices could, you know, buy things like masks and gloves and other, you know, personal protective equipment during COVID. What, of course, we now know is that he didn't give the money directly to those offices. He gave the money to left-wing nonprofits, one of which got $350 million. And we know that the money wasn't uh, dispersed evenly across the country. It went disproportionately to places and areas that ended up voting for Joe Biden. And also, it was not used to buy masks and gloves. It was used to run what looks an awful lot like a a partisan GOTV program from within government election offices. So after 2020 and after we learned just how toxic this is, uh, almost 30 states have passed laws banning or restricting Zuckbucks. But wouldn't you know, on the very same day that Mark Zuckerberg said, I am not funding future grants, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, the left-wing nonprofit that ran this program in 2020, announced a brand new $80 million program they are calling the U.S. Alliance for Election Excellence. And it is set up specifically to get around those bans. So you can be in a state that you think is protected against this undue influence, and yet they have a new program that brings together half a dozen left-wing groups to work directly with election offices to get gather data from them, to reshape them from the inside out. It is literally an attempt to weaponize the election system against the right. Jason Sneed is with me. He's got a new book out. It's The Case Against Ranked Choice Voting. You know, and reading about your and reading the book a little bit and understanding what this means and finding out that and this won't shock anybody that. You say proponents claim that ranked choice voting is bipartisan reform, but records show that liberal mega donors are behind the push for this. Who are some of these donors and and why? I mean, in in concept, it sounds like a like a great idea, right? You're going to have, uh, you know, you 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 vote for a couple people and you keep going till somebody wins a majority. And it's obviously going to be the will of people. But the dark side behind this, obviously, and this is what makes me very, very nervous here is that you have, like in Alaska, for example, Democrat candidate Mary Peltola won with just 48.4% of the total votes cast. 11,222 ballots were exhausted after the first round of tabulation and thrown out. So you're throwing out sometimes votes of somebody who... This is what I don't understand about this. I mean, how is it rigged then to make sure that you're you're throwing out votes and then ensuring that the progressive candidate's going to wind up winning. Well, the, the phenomenon that you're talking about is called ballot exhaustion. You know, there's always a, yeah. a euphemism for these things. Uh, but here's what happens. Say you've got five people in a race and you go through and you look at the platforms of all five and you say, I will, I can only stomach voting for two of these people. So you mark your ballot first and second and you leave the other three blank. So if during tabulation, you have your two candidates are eliminated before a winner is declared, then you have run out of candidates and your ballot is considered to be exhausted. And so it's not just removed from the numerator of the voting equation, if you will, the numerator being the total votes cast for a particular candidate. It's removed from the denominator, the total votes cast overall in an election. So with each round of elimination in a ranked choice contest, it appears as though fewer and fewer people actually cast a vote. 
vote. It's a, a bizarre phenomenon, but that is necessary for them to manufacture the majority, because if you don't remove those exhausted ballots, then you can never guarantee a majority. And there are a lot of ballots that get thrown out, over 11,000 in the Alaska special congressional election, 140,000 in the New York mayoral contest from a couple of years ago. These are significant numbers of ballots. And that tells me there are a lot of people who either don't understand how to vote in a ranked choice system, don't want to vote for all of these people, or simply can't stomach the idea that their ballot would be cast for someone who they fundamentally disagree with. That's a real problem with RCV. One one of the other problems, I think, with elections in general right now, and I just had this conversation with somebody the other day, is that Republicans are still not embracing mail-in voting. And and look, I'm I'm guilty of this. I mean, on election day, I got to the polls at 750 uh, I'm always I vote. I, I don't think I've ever missed an election. Not not certainly in a long time. I'm always going to go. But there's always people that for whatever reason, they get stuck at work. There's traffic. Kids have an emergency. They, they, they may not make it. But the key point here, though, is that mail in voting, these these drop boxes, even early in-person voting like we have in New Jersey now, none of these things are going away. And yet there's still a lot of hesitancy among Republican voters. I talk to my fellow Republican voters about this all the time. And they still wish they could go back to the day of, of a, walking into a polling place with a piece of paper and a pencil and then putting it into a, a ballot box. But that's not really realistic. And so what, what's your thinking on that in terms of this, this shift in people's perception to accept something that they just may fundamentally disagree with? Well, I, I think that we have to ask ourselves, you know, imagine uh, a, a world as bizarre as it would be uh, where the Olympics doesn't ban doping. Now, you as an athlete may hate the idea, but if you don't do it, then you are surrendering a tremendous performance advantage to your opponents. And I think that's what conservatives have to think about when you're thinking about elections as well. Uh, if you are living in a state that has a significant amount of early voting, that has no excuse male voting, that it has laws that allow you to engage in third-party collection. I think that you have to play by those rules. And then if you want to change them, you have to win elections. So that's what we have to be, we have to be thinking about. When it comes to you know, voting early uh, in person versus the mail, uh, many states have early voting periods. And what we have seen is conservatives are ready, willing, and able to turn out during that early voting period. And we've actually seen some significant conservative wins in my home state of Virginia, for instance, when you uh, leverage that early voting voting period. So I think it's important to understand that where you have a rule, even if you disagree with it, sometimes you have to play by those rules, win elections, and then change the law. And that, I think, is what we all need to be talking about. And yes, I do believe that we should be looking at, uh, you know, what is the right window for early voting? What are the rules around mail voting so that we can have the confidence that we need in that system? But winning elections is usually the first part of getting those reforms done. Well said. Well said. Jason Sneed, executive director of the Honest Elections Project and author of the book, The Case Against Rank Choice Voting. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All right. So uh, as we get ready for a big five o'clock hour with uh, 30 minutes of nonstop talk for you leading up to the great one Mark Levin show in which I'll be filling in for him. I want to let you know that Cooper University Healthcare is our region's leading academic health center for a reason. They do incredible, incredible care there. In fact, I will tell you that I send, I mean, our entire family uses Cooper. And when somebody asks me for a recommendation, I immediately tell them, you need to use Cooper. 
because they're the best. Cooper's experts provide award-winning primary and specialty care at more than 100 offices throughout the region, including personalized cancer care through the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper, groundbreaking stroke and neurosciences care, advanced surgical services, cutting-edge clinical research, and more. You know, the Cooper Neurological Institute, for example, they were doing groundbreaking work there, groundbreaking stuff. And it's because they are guided by the principle that, and, and why they are so respected throughout the region and really throughout the country and the world uh, to always be on the cutting edge, always be on the cutting edge and always stand out on compassion, too. Don't forget the, the, the guy who runs the place, Dr. Maz, our very own Dr. Maz, wrote the book on compassion in healthcare. So it's something that Cooper lives by every single day. Make Cooper your first choice for outstanding care. In fact, recently, uh, baby Reagan, well, she's now toddler Reagan, she's three, she had a double ear infection. So we brought her to Cooper Urgent Care. At Cooper Urgent Care, you're going to see the very same doctors and nurses, the providers who are on the front lines at the region's number one, level one, that's the, that's the most critical, trauma center. Those same ER docs are going to be the ones that see you, you and your family for everyday life's everyday urgent care needs. We took, we took Reagan there. They took great care of her. And uh, she's on her way to, to being much better. Double ear infection for kids is no fun. But they get sick all the time. It's how they build their immune systems. What are you going to do? 1-800-8-COOPER. 1-800-8-COOPER or cooperhealth.org. Cooperhealth.org. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 